real hard. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Jackman Radio. I'm your host, Mike Jackman. And as always, your host, Eric Jackman. And tonight we're going to be discussing a issue that uh, is a little bit more local than some of the other issues we've been talking about as of late. Uh, and I think this is something that people can relate to all across the country. Um, the idea of something going through your community or your backyard that you might not be so happy about. Um, hence the... Uh, acronym NIMBY, not in my backyard. We're going to be talking about the Kinder Morgan proposed pipeline going through the Monadnock region here in New Hampshire with a uh, local activist, if I can call you an activist, and uh, a special guest tonight in studio, Marianne Harper. Marianne, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And I'm just going to read a little bio here um, about some of your uh, past experience. Marianne Harper has been a resident of Ringe, New Hampshire since 1981. She has served the town in a variety of roles, including selectman, planning board member, and co-facilitator of Ringe 2020, a collaborative project with Franklin Pierce University, Eric's alma mater, of course. Yes. Our last guest, Andy Card, president of. Yes. She has also been a trustee of several area nonprofit boards, including the Cathedral of the Pines and Monadnock Community Hospital. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree from Pennsylvania State University, where she studied biology and chemistry. That's uh, quite a resume you got there, Marianne. Thank you. <laughs> so kind of to go right into it, um, why don't you tell us what got you involved in, in this activism, uh, looking at Kinder Morgan coming in here, who's, I believe, the third or fourth largest uh, energy company in, in uh, North America and yeah. what they're trying to do. Well, um, I received an email from uh, some friends that told me that it, there was a chance that the pipeline would be coming through Ringe. And this was right after the November elections. Um, at that point, Kinder Morgan had announced that um, they were looking at the one of the alternative routes uh, very seriously. So originally it was supposed to come from right New York, well actually it starts in Pennsylvania, comes across New York, um, and then enters into uh, Western Mass and then was supposed to travel across Massachusetts to end up to the Drake at Hub. And from there, it can connect to a variety of pipelines, but um, the thought is is that it'll connect to the uh, pipelines that head up to Canada. From the, key, the, the, the proposed Keystone pipeline, or is that a separate issue? Or Keystone's a separate issue. Keystone's separate, but are they both natural gas? Nope, Keystone's oil. It's oil, oil. okay. Yeah. This is a natural gas, right? It is, so. yeah. This kind of it's frack gas. It's so right. it's, it's originating from the Marcellus shales in Pennsylvania. And um, the process of uh, fracking for some people who might not know, I mean, you're looking essentially these companies coming in, they're pumping these chemicals right into the ground, right? That's part of the process to yep. get the fracking is a short, shortened uh, or slang for hydraulic fracturing. And so um, there's an excellent video on the Sierra Club's website that's narrated by Edward James Olmos. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, Great actor. Um, 
Yep, and so he shows the drilling going down. First they go down vertically, like as much as a mile. Wow. And then they do horizontal drilling once they reach the shale deposits. And But to create those cracks in the shale deposits and release the methane gas, because that's the kind of gas it is, they have to they use these fracking compounds. So you, they won't tell you what they are. Um, I don't know if it's because it's a trade secret or because it changes all the time. But um, Wilma Supra, who's done a lot of EPA work on uh, gases that are released at the com compressor stations, has identified benzene, toluene, formaldehyde, all very toxic chemicals that, that go in the water and help uh, create these fractures. And then the gas is released, and then there's this contaminated water they have to deal yeah, with afterwards. Right, yeah. and I've seen videos of people being able to light their sinks on fire. From yes. when they turn their faucets from the process that's happened in the, the whatever. Gasland. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, fir the first part of that I have seen. Mm -hmm. I've not seen the second one, which you mentioned to me. Gasland, uh, too. Yeah. Which came out fairly recently or? Um, yeah, I think it's it, it's five years after the first one. So I think it might be. Uh, well, you still have to pay for it. You can't watch it on YouTube yet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so um, 99 cents on Amazon, though. It's Hey, that's well worth, worth it. it. I mean, and, yeah. Eric, but, you, you were talking earlier about a uh, uh, some kind of lobbyist who was offered to take a shot of... Uh, well, I think that had to do... That dealt with Monsanto and some of their pesticides and um, what they're spraying on crops and stuff. But there that, was a similar thing that occurred with the water where one of the people set down uh, a glass and, of this and water had it, and, yeah. and asked them to drink it. And it was, take a shot of this. It this just looked like this horrible, like, right. just sludge, basically. Yeah, right, And, and that thing. lobbyist was on the record as saying, oh, I would drink it. It's clean. It has no environmental impact at all. Mm -hmm. And they're like, all right, buddy, you're going to take a sip? And he, like, ran off. Right. So, yeah. Right. And in, in Pennsylvania, unlike here, they uh, many of those people don't own the mineral rights under their land. Really? Yeah. Right. Is that so the government controlled or private no, companies? It's, or? It's, it's just a way the land was deeded and sold off, probably having to do with strip mining back in the old days. So yeah. people would um, sell the mineral rights to a company underneath their land. And so if you buy land in these certain areas in Pennsylvania, you don't own your own mineral rights. And in this case, that's, that's the biggest problem here. These people can just come and put these wells on your property without your permission. So that's how these people are getting their own like some of these frack wells are within, you know, a hundred feet of somebody's uh, drinking well, and that's that's how they're getting the contaminated drinking water. Is that, is that through eminent domain, or is that because they already own the rights dating back decades? Or you know, you talk, I, I'm well, not an expert. Sounds like it's kind of gray. But I would say that it's probably because they don't own the mineral rights. Right. Um, wow. And yeah. because these these companies have endless money and have the most power, high powered lobbyists, teams, yeah. yeah, they can just come in and, and intimidate and do that sort of stuff. So, um, what kind of things have you observed, um, Kinder Morgan, like tactics wise or like plan or you know what what are they doing to try to get people around here to say, hey, this is fine, I'm okay with this. Um, mostly, well, they held a series of open houses, and. Um, they're promising a lot of things that I, I think are actually empty promises. For instance, uh, and, and when we shot through some of these things, we've, we've seen people change their mind. So one of the, they had a thing, um, so back to this November date where they said the alternative. Then on December 8th, they declared the New Hampshire alternative route is the preferred route. And that got everybody kind of up in arms. Because they were originally in Mass, right? And Mass right. kind of threw them out of a lot of their towns. And they looked north to New Hampshire? Right. Well, when, when you file with the FERC, and they haven't actually filed yet, this is the pre-filing stage of the FERC process, but when you file 
even in the pre-filing, you have to include your regular route and then alternative routes right in the very beginning. So New Hampshire was an alternative route, but nobody paid attention to it because, <coughs> as you all know, the straightest, uh, you know, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, and this isn't. So it was like, you know, it comes across Western Mass, and in Northfield Mass, it takes this bump up into Winchester and travels across New Hampshire, mm. and then it it goes south right above Drake and comes back in. So nobody thought like it's like a crazy route, right? Right. But Mass launched an incredible amount of opposition, and my personal theory is is if you look on Kinder Morgan's Facebook page, you'll see them doing these little meetings in towns all over the U.S., not just here in the Northeast, but out West, everywhere. And it's poor rural communities. That's who it is, poor people. Maybe they're banking on people not being educated or not knowing oh, I, I think so. what yeah. the implications are for their town. And less people, less less people to Smaller get to population. Less population to deal with. More isolated. Right. right. We can cut you a big check and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, let us do our thing. Don't worry about it. You know, we're, right. we're regulated. We're this and that. And uh, maybe they flash some dollar signs around at some people who... They have not given a figure out yet, but um, they do offer, I think, early uh, bonuses for early signing if you give an easement. So... Um, I'm going to say like, middle of December I was at a meeting in Mason and I was on WMUR and that aired uh, I think Sunday morning and uh, while I was out I received a phone call from somebody that lived through the Portland natural gas transmission system installation up in the north country so he found, googled me and found me and called me and gave me a whole list of things to worry about and that really galvanized me you know, I mean, he said that they were all isolated up there. You have to get your people together, work together. Everybody needs to share information. And so we started working really hard because, um, you know, Mass had had this nine-month period where they, you know, were getting their people together. But we had to, like, you know, get going because the schedule wasn't changing just because they changed the route. They did not change the schedule. So the next thing was the open houses. Yeah, so they they have their reps come in to like Fitzwilliam, New Hampshire, or Ringe, mm -hmm. New Hampshire, and kind of have these town hall style meetings. Well, first uh, they had the open houses. Oh, so the open house was basically just to like ask questions to the reps, or, or so the open house is set up kind of like a trade show, or um, so you walk in and they have like all these easels set up with pictures, and they have a million Kinder Morgan reps, and no, and everybody has one on one conversations. Nothing's recorded for the public record so they can gauge their answer to whatever they think they should tell you right. and it's all this conversational type of oh we want to be your neighbor and oh please show us where your property is on this map we'd love to come out and look at it and so most of the towns um, had already asked for a town hall style meeting but they had refused to do that they finally did agree to do that they can't get away with that in new hampshire yeah we're, you know? we're used to calling bs on you I mean, know. we got a warrant going, or you know, any any kind of issue that that local people are passionate about, they're gonna they're gonna make their opinions known, and they right. don't care who's coming to town. And that's the thing, you know, the, these uh, these these people who are coming in from out of state, they don't they don't really know what it means to be a Granite Stater or to you know what our values are up here. And they you know? make no bones about it. I mean, the surveyors that are in our neighborhood right now have Mississippi license plates. Yeah. Now they promised all these jobs to people in New Hampshire. I'm sure there's plenty of surveyors in New Hampshire that could use some work right now, okay? But 
everybody's from out of state. And I told the guys when I saw them, I said, you know, that license plate kind of sticks out. Yeah, so does your accent. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Well, yeah, the, yeah. Whole, the whole, quote, jobs aspect of it. I mean, really, what kind of jobs, are, you know, will it be? I mean, it's uh, um, looking at some of the information, it sounds like very short-term kind of stuff. Um, might not be union-involved, or maybe it is union-involved, but how is that really going to benefit local business? Like, what's their pitch on that? They say uh, 520 temporary jobs for New Hampshire. They say 3,000 jobs for the entire route, but for the New Hampshire portion, 520 temporary jobs. And at all the open houses, the Laborers International Union of North America had a very heavy presence because they signed a memorandum of understanding with them back in uh, the summer of 2014 that they would have all the jobs on the pipeline. And the International Union of Operating Engineers, those are the people that operate the cranes and the heavy equipment, they're also in, pipe fitters, and Teamsters, so it's four big unions, and and it's specialty work, so it makes sense to have trained people. But again, not that there's a lot of union members in Ringe or no. Fitzwilliam. No, not compared to like Massachusetts or well, New Hampshire right. as a whole. Really, we're not right. the friendliest union state right. um, in, the, in the United States, and uh, a lot of people have a anti-union sentiment and. Uh, you know, uh, that, even that could that look like aside, a big... aside, right. the people are going to come up from the south. Right. They are. I mean, there's if you Google pipeline gypsies... <laughs> well, look what happened <laughs> in North Dakota there for, you know, back in 2011, 2012, right? They found a bunch of oil. Was it North Dakota or... No, I think that was natural gas too, isn't it? Was it natural gas? They were putting towns up and yeah, building you know, up trailers. You could make fifty grand a year being a waitress there, or something like that, because right. of the boom that happened there. Yeah, so temporary boom. Temporary, right. exactly. Right. So. so the people will come up. From what I understand, from the guy up in the North Country, it's Oklahoma, uh, Louisiana, and Texas. That's where most of the. And Indian then when, when the work is done, they'll leave. Right, and, and that's they, it. They, so they come gonna... bringing uh, like motorhomes. So right. Yeah. So who gets the money? Well, probably um, convenience stores, and um, Walmart, restaurants. A couple of restaurants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Home Depot kind of thing. Kind right. of transient, kind of temporary. Yeah. It sounds like. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it sounds like they want to come in here and and uh, hawk their wares and promise us everything, and you know, once they they get done what they want done, they're just going to leave. They're going to love us and leave us. And you know? they're going to leave behind a big mess because if you look at any of the rural roads in Ringe and you imagine tractor trailers carrying 36-inch diameter pipe and a bunch of cranes going down a road like Abel Road in Ringe, which oh, is geez. very densely populated. Yeah. And the houses are really close to the road, and that's one of the big easement places where they've been surveying. Um, it's really going to impact the town. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for the record, uh, we've said this on the podcast. We, uh, we, I grew up in Ringe, New Hampshire. I lived there from uh, 1997 until uh, last December. Uh, I, I moved to Jaffrey. We moved to Jaffrey together. Uh, November. Like six months ago. Yeah. So, uh, my father still lives in Ringe, um, and uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think uh, that kind of activity would, would you know, would, would be a good thing. I mean, you're, you're talking about the noise and just the constant you know coming and going of all the machinery uh, not to mention uh, what could happen to uh, you know drinking water or wells or um, wildlife wildlife preserves that we do have in Ringe yes that we have two um, conservation parcels in Ringe Converse Meadow which the town purchased we raised money and bought that to preserve it because it sits over our largest aquifer 
And the other piece um, that's protected by the Mananoc Conservancy is the Walter Beck Farm on Robbins Road. Oh, yeah. And the pipeline goes through both those properties. Really? So if there's like a leak or <laughs> yeah. a crack or something happens, I mean, that's there's going to be an impact. I mean, there's and, and, and Kinder Morgan has been involved in spills before, right, with, with some of their other projects oh, across sure. the country. Yeah, yeah, and they've been cited for not maintaining uh, FIMSA, which is Pipeline Hazardous Safety Materials um, Agency, which will oversee them, uh, you know, after the pipeline's in. Um, they're very understaffed, and uh, but they've cited Kinder Morgan for not marking the pipes properly, not maintaining them. And those sorts of things so it's not just putting the pipe in but once it's in um, it's not you know the problem isn't gone yeah well there's maintenance of it and that sort of stuff so and um, we tie ourselves to this hideous old technology that we don't need to because uh, you know it's 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 somewhere between 30 to 50 years to get on an energy source and then to get off it so some people are calling this a bridge fuel but it's not it's a bridge to nowhere because we'll be, it, it, we're going to increase our dependence on natural gas, and if it's exported, which seems to be the goal, the price will go up dramatically, and we'll be stuck because everything will be geared towards It'll natural gas. It'll be connected gas. to that, right, mm -hmm. geared towards that. So what can you say to um, an average citizen of the Monadnock region in one of these towns when they're approached by a representative of Kinder Morgan and say, hey, can we come check your land out as far as what their legal rights are, obviously to say, no, you have no right coming on my land, um, I'm going to call the police, you know, this and that. I mean, what, as far, as far as that goes, I mean, what could you say to those people if they're approached? Yeah, so what I recommend everybody to do and what New Hampshire has been doing with great success is denying access for survey. Um, the pipeline's supposed to be co-located along the power lines, but it's not really going to be along the power lines. It's going to be a new Greenfields corridor that's going to run adjacent to the power line. So when you own land that has a power line easement over it, it's still your land. You know, so this would be another ease. What they would like to do is negotiate an easement with you. If you won't do that, then it'll go through condemnation or eminent domain. And uh, the good thing about eminent domain is, is that you won't have a liability. Um, you won't be a partner with them in this. Um, you can still sue them. Uh, <laughs> you aren't responsible for anything that happens in the pipe. And if you do get into an easement agreement with them, then all of that changes. And it can affect your your insurance, your mortgage, you know, lots of things. Oh, yeah, everything. So the value variables. of the property. And Definitely uh, the value of the property. Right. Although they have experts that will say otherwise. Well, oh, of yeah. Course. yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course, right. as you know, you can get an expert to say anything. Yeah, absolutely. You can drink oil. Well, it's good for you. Right. You drink it. <laughs> yeah, what's, absolutely. Uh, so what's the local response been? Because um, we can drive around incredible. and you see those signs. Yeah, the signs are everywhere. say stop the pipeline, no, no pipeline. pipeline. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 you know, what, what have you, obviously you've been involved in this for, for probably five, six months now, pretty hardcore. Um, what's the local Monadnock region response been like that you can see? On the western part of the route, you know, starting in Winchester, Richmond, Fitzwilliam, Ringe, Troy, all voted, had articles that voted against, uh, oppo you know, opposing the pipeline. Like a town warrant or? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in Ringe, we decided to do a petition, uh, three petition warrant articles. Um, one was to ask the town to deny access on town land. And the other two were just to deny um, 
the approval of the pipeline through the New Hampshire Site Evaluation Committee process because um, we felt, you know, eminent domain was not the way we do things in New Hampshire, and the other one was because we, we thought it was in opposition to the plans we've made to protect our drinking water. So those are the three we did in Ringe. Um, Winchester used our same articles. Fitzwilliam hired an energy um, attorney, a, a, somebody who's worked on the Northern Pass, and they drafted a very long Warren article, which also passed. Richmond, I'm not familiar with their articles, but they also passed. Same with Troy. And of the um, 17 towns on the main line, 10, I believe it's 10 towns have taken official votes against the pipeline. Now, when you go over more towards the east, like Pelham and Hudson and Londonderry, it's a tougher sell because they do have some pipelines over there already. Right. So it's something they're familiar with and they've dealt with already. Mm -hmm. But they're just as at risk because uh, we have clusters of neighborhoods along the pipeline. It's more densely populated over there. So if, even if it goes through in a small area, it affects more people. And, and they're coming on board. It's just taken a while. Right. I think there's proponents for natural gas, obviously, in fracking who were... Who um, you know, maybe of a more right-wing persuasion who are going to say, oh, well, this is going to get us off foreign oil and dependency on, on uh, you know, Saudi from Saudi Arabia, um, Iraq, or even places like Venezuela. Um, in your mind, what's a good alternative to, to fracking and natural gas that we should be exploring and looking at that we can even contemplate here in New Hampshire? Well, first of all, um, we don't need this gas in New Hampshire. This all started with the governors getting together because in the ISO New England grid for two winters before this, um, for several days during the harshest winters, for several hours during several days, so say for six hours for 10 days, they had to burn jet fuel because they didn't have enough gas. So there'd be an easy way to do uh, LNG storage if they just, and, and, uh, and this winter it didn't happen because there's been a better planning so the fact that we need the gas I, I'd argue that okay I don't, that's a red I don't, herring I don't think we need it and nobody's proved it to me yet um, I don't think you should be dependent heavily dependent on any one fuel source and that's where this is headed to make us heavily dependent on natural gas because right. as I said once they start exporting it it's not going to be our gas anymore it's going to be Korea's gas or Japan's gas that's what this whole thing is being set up for uh, and NAFTA helps that because if you export through Canada, you don't have to pay the tariff. So right. Um, Thanks, Clinton. Well, all the presidents <laughs> well, that, have their well, that finger was like a, in this. A trifecta. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, you uh, can't like put it Reagan, Bush, and Clinton. Clinton. Sure. Well, hey, yeah. Obama said, and um, and I I don't know if it's it's in the beginning of Gasland too, that that he's all excited that we have these shale deposits and we have this great energy and we're going to do everything we can to to get it get it. Get right. to everybody. And follow the money who writes the checks for these campaigns. Oil and gas industry spends a lot of money lobbying. And they're up at our state house all the time. Yeah. They have an office across from the Boston State House. Yeah, I mean, really? our yeah. politicians, they're basically prostitutes for these big companies, you know? Yeah. That's, that's what uh, RFK Jr. calls them. Well, you've they're, seen that. I'm sure you've seen the bumper sticker where it says um, politicians should wear... Um, NASCAR jackets? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Jesse Ventura says that <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yeah. To show who their sponsors These are. These people should have like a NASCAR jacket with all their sponsors on them, like a Fortune 500 company. Yeah. I agree with they that. They should. I agree with hey, that, too. Hey, they're I public officials. They should be serving the public. Yeah. Know? And it, so I go up and testify before the Senate Committee on Natural Resources and Energy. There's me, and Kinder Morgan has the energy attorney from Orrin Reno on full-time retainer. Okay. Right. 
big so, money on speed dial. Big money. You got a yeah, citizen she's activist she's like yourself. The orange lobbyist badge. They they identify themselves up in Concord with the orange badge. So I think it's, it's also so they don't get shot by hunters in New Hampshire. <laughs> 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 or what's his face there? Uh, Steve O'Brien. <laughs> but we have oh, a Bill tremendous grassroots yeah. organization here, and I have just been amazed. Um, uh, FERC just sent out a letter dated May 15th to Kinder Morgan. It's, it's fairly long. I think it's 45 pages long, listing all of their deficiencies. And pages, I think it's 35 through 37, um, they talk about... Uh, the co-location not being what it, and how it's going to fragment uh, habitat, and and also all the pipelines. This isn't the only pipeline. There's five pipelines. It, it, this, there's just so much money to be made throughout the Northeast, or, or just in the whole country. The Northeast. If you look on the big pipeline map, the Northeast is an area where there's not many pipelines, and it's it's also a way to get to the coast and get up north. So that's right. why a lot. But the five pipelines I'm talking about that are all are for New England. Okay. Yeah, and this has kind of been a bigger thing in Canada too, right? I mean, ha- fracking and, and natural gas up in Canada, and I, I think I remember hearing it. It's uh, it's hard to get a lot of the shale oil or natural gas out of Canada because of the terrain and the frozen ground and the the energy that you're using to get the potential energy is ends up being yeah, it's not worth it. Not worth it, and more you're so than, more than to get what you're going to get, and well, you're destroying I mean, the, the 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 ground and the, and the, the environment. Wildlife. Right, but if you if you read, I have a report that talks about the difference between a traditional gas well, which I think costs around three hundred thousand dollars to drill, and these frack wells that cost in the millions, and yet they'll put six of them on a pad. So, cost isn't an issue. No, there's not just too much money to be made. It's oh, it's really this yeah. is a follow the money deal, and oh, so yeah. that's why they. They just want everybody's in a race to get these pipes in the ground before because we are moving away from this kind of technology. We're remove Massachusetts in particular oh, yeah. is moving towards renewables. Now New Hampshire doesn't. They just tried to raise the um, regional greenhouse gas initiative fund, which provides you know funding for this sort of thing. But I think I hope it's going to be preserved for the most part. But uh, that's where we should be headed: renewables, alternatives. Energy efficiency. Every time you buy an appliance, you're part of the energy efficiency program. And although, um, you know, our demand for electricity has stayed the same, even though users have increased because of energy efficiency. Right. So maybe initiatives like wind or, or solar or, you know, something obviously cleaner and more renewable. Would I mean, obviously... You know, you know, oil. I mean, I don't know where you stand on peak oil or how familiar you are with, with that concept. But um, no matter what we do, we have to use a certain amount of oil to for for energy structure. For right, exactly. And yeah. so many things are made out of oil and and right. Wind turbines; those are built with oil. And getting to them to maintain them, you need oil. And you know, solar panels are built with oil and all that. So it's like it all. Everything always boils back to oil, unfortunately. But the idea with renewables is that will slow down the process of running out of oil. Another issue with uh, Kinder Morgan in local communities, uh, this is something you sent me, uh, an email, uh, about uh, an email being leaked about Kinder Morgan trying to buy influence and persuade maybe that local person who's kind of vocal or has influence in the community to be in favor of, of, of pipelines. And what was the deal with that? Right, not just uh, be in favor, but be paid to be in favor. So it's being a pipeline proponent and I think the email said that the salary isn't great, but they think it's going to last for a long time. And um, it was leaked through uh, 
from whoever's doing the lobbying efforts in Boston. So it, it came out of uh, Peabody Citizens United Against the Pipeline, same pipeline. And um, in it, they state that they're looking for people who are considered community leaders. And they list like former selectmen, um, people involved in the parent-teacher uh, association, um, people who were in the Chamber of Commerce. And you get more if you were countywide known than you would if you were town. <laughs> so the bigger the right. name, you know, the, the bigger yeah. the paycheck. The bigger you are. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is it tax-free, maybe? <laughs> is, that ca is that like a suitcase full of cash? or? Well, yeah. the interesting <laughs> thing is, I don't know if you saw this, but the Monadnock Ledger transcript put out a request for people to do viewpoints in favor of the pipeline. Really? So far, it hasn't run. Well, that's really? the thing with this show. I was kind of thinking, I, you know, I mean, we can have a debate. I, I, I like calling it a discussion because... You can have a civil discussion with anybody who has a view on something or a belief or an opinion and, and, and be respectful about it. And sure. I couldn't think of anyone to come on who was really in favor of it from around yeah, here. Yeah, I don't so, personally sh know anybody. Sh short of inviting a Kinder Morgan rep over, which <laughs> I'm not, I don't know that I'm too big on that. I mean, um, And they probably would not want to come when WMER did the piece on them. They had a heck of a time getting them on camera. For right. The recorded really. statement. No, that was that was a thing that aired last last week, or I know you, you remember. I remember you told me about it. Was that kind of a uh, a positive uh, thing, you know, for local activists, or did it no, kind it of review a, the whole situation? Or I thought it was very balanced. They had they finally did. It didn't. It um, I think they came to my house at the beginning of April, and it just aired now. So that's how long it's taken them to couple track months down almost. Morgan. Yeah. But um. Uh, it was I thought it was balanced and it was what's called a long format special report, which meant it was four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, between commercials. Um, there's a lot of material to cover and Amy Cavino was the reporter and I thought she did an excellent job. Yeah, I did want to touch on that as far as what you've noticed from media coverage. I mean, how how has the media been covering this issue? Do you feel it's been fair down the middle or do you see a bias? I mean, how how's that been going? Um I feel like uh, the media's been doing a good job. They um, they present both sides of the issue. Um, I I feel fortunate that they often call us for comments or our side of the story, and not just do Kinder Morgan's side of the story. I think Kinder Morgan's harder to get a hold of than we are. They're kind of kind of hiding, aren't they? And I think just if you go back to this whole open house thing, where it's just a never wanting to be on record. So I think that's really what it is, you know. Very I, shining a light on it, you know. Mm -hmm. I think like that's the light how they on the cockroaches operate. scurrying, you know, the other end of the ship. You know? For instance, uh, in the WMER piece, uh, Alan Four, who's the Kinder Morgan mouthpiece, he's the re, you know the most, Goebbels, dose of Goebbels. He's the paid shell of Kinder Morgan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's the he's the well-known one. They have a group of four who I call the Fab Four. <laughs> oh, don't slander the Beatles like that. Four-headed monster. <laughs> <laughs> that go to all their events and it's Alan Four and Curtis Cole and Mark Hamich and Jim Hartman and um, they all have their little areas of expertise but you know they they would rather Alan Four says in the MUR piece that he's willing to talk to any landowner alone or in a group let me tell you they'd rather talk to you alone they don't want you to know what I know that you what know. was said they want to be off the record face-to-face -face type yeah. deal so they can have plausible deniability maybe uh, or just to negotiate these easements. Right. You know? Yeah. So Look, they I, said yeah. at the Senate hearing, right now it's a 90% deny access rate. 
they said that they expect to get 95% of the landowners to grant them an easement. In New Hampshire? Or, or? Yeah, in New Hampshire. They said really? this at New Hampshire Senate hearing. Yeah. Wow. Because the senators said, you know, eminent domain is not how we do things in New Hampshire. And it was Alan Ford who said, well, we're very respectful of that. And uh, we expect <laughs> to, our, we get 95%, uh, you know, people signing on the line to let, you know, New Hampshire drives a tough bargain. These people get their money. Oh, okay. Like a couple thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah pennies yeah. compared to what they're going to make, you know, yeah, at, yeah. at the back end, really. Yeah, that's their bill at the bar for their scotch, you know. For yeah, exactly. Well, they, they should also count on as 95% gun ownership in New Hampshire, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, right now yeah. there's a bill before, um, it's. I think it's still stuck in the Senate Committee, HB 572, that's saying that if they take your land by eminent domain, they can't just take a piece of it. They have to take the whole thing. See, that's the other thing about this. They're going to ruin your home, but they're only going to pay for a little strip of it. Right. How, how is it that, that an organization like Kinder Morgan can use eminent domain? I mean, how could... How, Natural how is that? Gas Act of 1938. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yep. Natural Gas Act of 1938 gives them the right... If, if FERC approves their certificate of public convenience and necessity, and that's what it's called, um, it allows them to use eminent domain or condemnation to take the properties that, that um, aren't, aren't working with them. Now, the FERC... For our listeners, what does FERC stand for and what is that? Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, and that's okay. the uh, federal oversight. So this would be federal eminent domain. So a lot of people are looking at this stuff going on at the state house saying like, well, how can that help us? Because this is not state eminent domain, like for say a highway in New Hampshire or whatever. This right. is federal There's... eminent domain and, and federal trumps any local or state laws and that's because of the Natural Gas Act. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, so um, uh, what they'll do is, you know, they'll take your land if if the certificate is approved, but FERC is watching the amount of access denial, which came out in this uh, May 15th letter, saying that they're concerned about the rate of uh, the high percentage of people in New Hampshire that are denying access, because FERC thinks eminent domain should be used for one or two people that are digging their heels in on something that everybody else is in favor of. Or that would benefit the state, ultimately. But yes. this is, well, this is with a fair offer. critical mass denying land access. You can't ignore that. You definitely you know, can't ignore that. It makes me that. so proud of New Hampshire. Yeah, I'm that's so great proud to of Ringe and I'm so proud of the state because we have just got up in arms and we are isolated. Some of us don't have internet. You right. Know. <laughs> it's a hard time getting people together and it's just been an amazing, amazing process. Something that's Excellent. very inspiring to me, um, I have a political science background and Eric and I both got our uh, degrees in political science. We've been a active since we were young teenagers. Um, seeing people who otherwise wouldn't become activists or, or fired up about any particular issue, just very, you know, passionate about this, about this. Maybe because it affects them or it affects their neighbor. Well, but yeah, once something personally touches you, man, and, and, and you can take a side on and get fired up over it, you see it happen. But it's not just the people whose backyards it's running through. I mean, I would say in our pipeline opposition group, um, we have just as many people that are just opposed to it in general. And now, um, like, for instance, Sharon, New Hampshire, it's not going through Sharon, but they're starting to take a stand. And I saw a letter to the editor today um, from somebody in Peterborough saying that Peterborough should also 
take a stand. And that would be hugely powerful if we could get towns that aren't even affected. Right. Jaffrey, stand in solidarity. Yeah. Where we and, are now, folks, Jaffrey, base of Mount Monadnock. And if you, I follow the FERC. Um, so if this, the docket number for this project is PF 14-22-000. And PF means pre-filing. We're in the pre-filing stage. And so you can e-subscribe to that. And you can also e-comment all through your computer. And I did it very early. I did it back in November, and I subscribed. So I see everything that comes up on the FERC, which is a good way to follow the pipeline because Tennessee Gas also, which is Kinder Morgan's name they're using here, um, they also have to file. And the FERC itself files all their, like that's how I found that big letter, the 45-page response from by the FERC to Kinder Morgan's draft resource reports. So um, when you subscribe to this, you see everything that comes up. And people from Jaffrey have written in opposition to the pipeline, and people from Peterborough, people from Hancock. Um, so there's people from all over the state, but we need more of that. Is, well, that's, is that's Dublin going to be? They're, they're not going to be? No, it's basically it's following the Eversource utility right-of-way through the southern tier of New Hampshire. Okay. And that's what we wanted to do here, you know, with this show. Um, we had, um, we kind of put out a feeler and said, what should we talk about, you know, because we talk about a lot of global issues and national issues. And yeah. Obviously, our background, we're very into that and historical stuff. Foreign but policy. Right here going on in this region. And, um, you know, now that I live in Jaffrey, I still very much interested in what's going on in Ringe and you know like I said I got family there still and um, what's the what's the timeline that we're looking at in case you know uh, like you know if they're not successful when are they legally bound to, yeah. to, to, to be, get them out of here to just like we don't have to deal with this anymore and we don't have to you know fight them and you worry about this and we can go back to our lives uh, <laughs> when, when are we looking at them being you know booted Kicked out of town. Yeah, yeah. or is, money, is all the money uh, they throw down able yeah. to keep them, you know? Well, I think, um, so basically, like I said, we're in the pre-filing process. They didn't have to do that, but they chose to do that. And um, in the pre-filing process, they're required to have these open houses. And um, they're required to start the draft of the resource reports. There's 13 resource reports. Like, one is just the physical structure of the pipeline and the route and... Um, you know, endangered species, water, all the things you think they would be looking at. So um, what happens is, is the FERC will decide that the open house section, there's the market path and the supply path. We're what's called the market path. That's the further end of the pipeline, the supply path. So they were just finishing up open houses on the supply path out in New York. And um, so once they've they've checked off that box, FERC will decide to start scoping. And in scoping, they'll uh, hold these sessions. Now, the FERC will hold these, not Kinder Morgan. And people will be able to testify. It's a much more formal process. They'll say, I would like Kinder Morgan to study all the endangered species along the path, and I would like them to do this and this as, as a study. And not say what endangered species lives there, but what they should do to create these environmental impact statements. So then FERC will direct Kinder Morgan to prepare these 13 reports, and that will be um, the environmental imp draft environmental impact statement. At some point in there, uh, in the fall of this year, Kinder Morgan will change from pre-filing to certificate filing. So it'll be changed from a PF to a CF, and they'll file their application for that certificate. It takes about a year to get through all that stuff, and at most pipelines don't leave because they're not approved by the FERC. 
they leave because there's too many obstacles for them. The FERC is saying you didn't do this right or they're not being able to get access and they withdraw their application. So it's if you look at uh, the last couple of years, I think the only two applications have been um, not approved by the FERC, but it's like a 35 to 65% ratio. 65% pipelines make it all the way through 35% withdraw. Or app, it's not just pipelines because they also anything having to do with natural gas. Yeah. Um, so withdraw and what makes them withdraw? Geez, that is you know the million dollar question. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> after a while, I mean, yeah, they just got to get tired of all the locals with their pitchforks and their flames and their their muskets. You know, the spirit of the and revolution. And not being able to meet. Um, so the denying access is keeping them from doing all the environmental studies that they need to do. They can do all a lot of stuff from the air, and they have already done that. And they can use all these maps up at the state, you know, the state has all these, but they need to get on a certain percentage of land. And so if- I think yeah. it's, a, it's a monetary thing probably well, the, at the end of the it day, is. it's, the it's more, a cost benefit analysis. The more the blockading that's done to them, the nastier they're gonna get with their tactics or the more, you know, hard, you know, serious they'll get with it. They realize they gotta go a different route or they, or- yeah, and then it might just, just get to a point where they they can't break the people and they'll just get the hell out of here. Well, what they want to do is they want to have these conversations with towns and stuff where people will say, oh, if you move the pipe over here, move it over there, get it away from this, then they, if they can adjust the route a little bit, not a lot, just a little, to show the FERC that they're trying to mitigate some of this opposition, that's that's how they do it. Then they might be able to, in their minds, be you know victorious. Mm-hmm. And get get what they want at the end of the day, right? So then the timeline after that is um, they would expect to get their certificate a year later. So we're looking at twenty end of twenty sixteen, and tree felling could start as early as January twenty seventeen. In service date is twenty eighteen. So not this that... is their timeline, by the way, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> right, that they've said. Yeah. Right, right, right. So not that far away. So have you seen anyone locally that's that's actually in favor of this legitimately or anyone who's taken the check and signed off on their land or, or has been raising their voices at the town hall saying, you know, this is this is a good thing. I want to do it. No, um, I think that we're most at risk for people who own large vacant tracts of land that might be out of town, out of state owners. And, you know, just I think that's. Because if it's 90%, then there's 10% that are still agreeing to it. So who are those people? And I would guess that um, they're not people who it's running through their property that live here in town. It's people who probably don't live in town. Right. They're actually Although part of the community. Know. Yeah. 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 And they might, you know, they might not know much about it. I mean, the letter I got, because I am an effective property owner, by the way, um, said that it was a federal undertaking. So, and it's not. It's not a federal undertaking. It's a private undertaking that's under federal approval process. But they, and they've taken that out of their letter because there's been so many complaints. Mass Plan complained to them about that. So um, those sly dogs. Well, it's yeah, it's it's that's, that's some trickery, yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah. but if you live surprise somewhere far away and you saw this, you'd think like, oh well. No and they deal. say, you know, we want to be a good neighbor, and yeah. this is going to be wonderful. We're going to build playgrounds. We're going to create jobs, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> jobs and natural gas for your home, which it's by natural. the way, there's there's no plans to bring natural gas to Ranch. No. It's, just gonna, it's a transmission no. line. Bring, bring it to Seoul, Korea. Right, but I mean, <laughs> it's a 36-inch diameter uh, high-pressure line. There's no way that, and there's no 
distribution network in Ridge. Yeah, right. We don't have town water. We have town That was another thing. There's going to be a lot of private wells. And yeah. we have all private wells. Yeah, in Ringe? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we grew up yeah. on a private well. We did. I mean, even Five other houses. Yeah. Even um, community water supplies in Ringe are all from groundwater supplied wells. Like Merrimack is the biggest town on the route. The Merrimack Village District supplies 25,000 people with water. But it, Kinder Morgan's proposed NED pipeline is... Um, it's supposed to go right through two of the wells that supply all that water. <clears throat> Why would you want to mess with that or let a, a company come in? And you're talking about your drinking water, folks. The water future. you bathe in. Yeah, future. your future. And, you know, the stability of these pipes. Obviously, it's according to Marianne, it sounds like they don't have a good track record of maintenance on these pipes. Um, you know, and, that, that and drink- the power lines cause corrosion. Oh, sure. Mm. Oh, sure. yeah, right. Electrical interference. Yeah, yeah, right, the energy from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Jeez, I didn't even think of that. And so, here's another, so many things. Here's another <laughs> interesting little fact. I guess there's three grades of pipe, and they can use the cheapest, thinnest the one. The thinnest, oh, yeah. Will. Oh, you know, know that they you will. Know they in will. these less populated areas. Oh, so yeah. it's cheaper. Well, there's they, no accountability or oversight. They'll use paper mache if they can get away with it. They'll get it made in China <laughs> or Mexico where there's no environmental <laughs> regulations or any kind of, you know, human So it kind of makes you think, like, if you're a rural person that your life is worth maybe 50 cents of somebody in a highly populated area their life's worth a, a buck yeah you know? i don't know well I, I gotta tell you i i have been against this from the onset but uh you know sitting down with you and hearing about all this has, has been incredibly enlightening and uh i really appreciate it it's brought a lot of things i didn't even think about or consider and um i hope all of you who are listening will check this out and if you want to get involved where where can people go to to get involved and find out more information so there's, um, on Facebook, there is um, Stop Ned New Hampshire is the biggest page with a 1,000 people on it, and you can keep up to date on it. Kinder Morgan's certainly follows it, and they've already told us they do. They troll it. <laughs> yeah. They tweet it. They're the biggest <laughs> trolls. And, um, and then there's, um, there's a Stop. The original Stop Ned is down in Mass, so there's StopNed.org is a good place to get information. Um, there's nhpipelineawareness.org, which is started was started by the group in Hollis, who were on the original route, but no longer on it. But they still keep the page up, and those are good ways. And um, of course, if you're in Ringe, you can just contact me. Yeah, <laughs> Marianne Harper, folks. Uh, my last question would be: Out of all the candidates, uh, both parties, who do you think would be the best on fracking issues? Um, energy and, and really dealing with with this problem that we're facing as our population grows and our uh, you know emerging global presence uh, you know is interconnected with places like China and India and just all over the world. Who, who do you think might be the best on this issue? You know, on in as far as uh, those who represent us here at the state level and um, federally, we've we've had a difficult time getting getting people to come on board with us. I'm not sure why that is. Yeah, uh, uh, Shea Por- uh, Custer, Congresswoman Custer. She have you, Has she indicated where she is on this? Or You know, all they, they, all they say is that they are asking that Kinder Morgan does this whole process with great transparency. I guess transparency so, is like the no, buzzword. That's a buzzword. No, no one's getting yeah. any spine and standing up and now, saying I, no. Uh, we've gotten a little bit of a better response from gene shaheen okay, but, no, yeah, but, but nobody's come right out and said they've they've opposed it now in mass they 
they did. All their people came out. Oh. All their elected officials well, there, came there out. There you go. Ken Lee, Marty Meehan, all the good people down there. Nikki Songus. All yes. of them down they, there. So that is kind of a missing yeah. piece of yeah, our Yeah, I wondered about here. that. I don't really hear much from our members of Congress about this. I mean, Kelly, yeah, yeah she'd probably help build the pipeline if I had to. She'd had have to a guess. coal mine in her backyard if yeah. it meant, you know, yeah. job, jobs. If Lindsey Graham did it too or John McCain. <laughs> It'd do whatever they do. It'd be interesting to see if this becomes a campaign issue. I'd like it to become a campaign so. issue. I hope so. should. Well, I'm going to put it in my repertoire because I'm going to be doing my damnedest to meet all these candidates and I'm going to ask them about it. Because they, they want to come through New Hampshire. Yeah. They have to to win the primary. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming in studio and You're chatting welcome. with us tonight and uh, very educational and informative. Um, I had a great time and learned a lot and uh, we hope you guys dug it. This is Mike from Jackman Radio and we'll see you next time. Summer, every corner always calls, I'm begging.